Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Let me jump into a story. How many of you guys were in, the, were in that storm around Christmas Eve? Anybody drive, anybody drive far that day? Yeah, okay, so I, I, we decided to drive to Toronto that day. And uh, I know Kersan drove to Ottawa and a few people, and we were, we were wondering, like, should we, we cancel the, the hotel we were going to stay at in Toronto because we weren't sure what was going to happen. We were checking the roads, the maps, um, you know, the, the news pieces. We found out that the 401 was closed in the morning on, on the December 24th. So here we are in, uh, we're in the St. Saint, Saint Lazar area. And we're deciding, are we going like, to try driving through the 401? Are we going to go towards Ottawa? That's the fork in the road, right, on the 40. And, um, and so we're like, you know what? Let's just do it. We're going to go for it. And we drove through Ottawa and went through smaller highways to get back to the 401 later. And it was at least three and a half hours or four hours to get to Ottawa. There was, there was moments, seven or eight times in our drive, where I saw nothing 20 or 30 feet in front of me, like zero, like all the lights of all the cars were just white, blank. And uh, at one point, uh, you know, these crazy, courageous people on the road, like this guy try, goes to pass me and passes the other guy in front of me and tries to get in the other lane, and thankfully he kept going, but he flew right into the ditch, you know? Uh, and and so, so that didn't affect us for like, this, what are we, why did we do this? Like, is this crazy? So we saw, you know, cars on the side of the road were, and so we're, we're, it, was, it was such a kind of tense drive. It took us 10 hours to get from St. Lazar to Whitby, Ontario. 10 hours. And uh, the worst part was, was getting through Ottawa. And so I ask, if you guys know this comedian, his name is Sebastian Maniscalco, one of his uh, whole bits is like, why do people do that? And that, that's what I was asking myself, like, why did we do this? Like, what made us decide to drive? What, like, what made me discern it was safe enough to drive? What made me believe that we could make it through? What made me think or us think that it was the best decision? So a couple of reasons. We've, been, we've driven through storms before, so we weren't like completely foreign to that. The, the, um, so we've done that. We, we weren't in a hurry. You know, it was like whenever we get there, we get there. Uh, we found out which road was closed, so we avoided the 401. Uh, we heard that eventually down the 401 it was clear and open, so we're like, you know, we were willing to stop. We said, hey, if this gets really bad, uh, we'll either turn back or we'll, we'll sleep somewhere. So we were doing that. We, I determined not to listen to my kids where they said, dad, be bold, pass this person, go for it. You know, like you can pass these, these seven cars in pitch black with snow all over the place. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think we should get in the ditch tonight, you know? And so I was determined not to listen to them. Uh, and then we figured, you know what, we're driving to my brother's house, and if we get there at 12 or 1 or 3 or 5 in the morning, we have a place to crash on the couch. And so this was the combination of my discernment, our discernment, as we drove to Toronto that night. Some of you might have discerned differently. <laughs> Some of you might have said, ah, let's wait a day. Um, and so... We all discern things, right? We all, like, have situations in our lives 
that we need discernment more than just for snowstorms. We need discernment for weather, but more than just for that, right? Because your life, my life is made up of decisions, is made up of opportunities, is made up of turning points, is made up of different things, different priorities, and we're always confronted with this idea, this question, how will we navigate life? How will we navigate moving forward? Now, that's a, that's a human question. So we're all human today, so we're, this is the question that we're you know, is always before us. As Christ followers, as Christians, there's an added piece to our discernment because discernment shifts to more than just pragmatic decisions, more than just, uh, you know, practical decisions. Now, as Christ followers, and if you're following Christ and Christ is Lord of your life, that includes living a life that reflects God's kingdom, that reflects God's purposes, that reflects the calling God's placed on your life, that reflects His vision and His compassionate mission for the world, right? Now, all of a sudden, our discernment, especially as Christ followers, has a different layer to it than should I drive in the snowstorm or not? You still got to decide that, but there's more to it. There's a passage in Colossians, Paul writes to the, to the Colossian church in the first century, and he writes this in chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. He says, he says this, he says, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord. Can you just say that with me? So that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. Let's just kind of keep that before us as we move forward. I just want to pray for a moment. God, as we enter this, this topic, this theme, this question before us, God, as humans, but particularly as Christ followers, um, we just pause right now and invite you to speak to us. I know that probably many in the room here and watching online and part of our church community and friends and guests um, wrestle with questions of discernment. And so may you lead us and guide us as we lean into this theme today, God, from your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're starting a new series today. And some of you as Christians or reading the Bible are familiar with the gift of discernment that we often hear about. But this series is called Gifts for Discernment. Gifts for Discernment. Because what we want to do for the next few weeks as we start 2023 is we want to explore gifts at our disposal, gifts that I'm certain every single one of us have access to. Doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual journey. In fact, if you're here today and you don't follow Christ or you don't consider yourself a Christian, these gifts are even available to you, but sometimes appropriated differently as Christians or not. So we're going to explore different gifts at our disposal when it comes to discernment, and we're going to end with a focus on the Holy Spirit uh, towards the end and some tools to practice discernment. But here's what I want to do today. I just want to invite you into this journey. Invite us into this journey of this big idea of discernment, because I, I believe all of us need it and long for it. Uh, there's a book on discernment by a, a collection of writings from Henry Nouwen. And in the preface of the book, um, the writers of the preface say this, say that discernment is the spiritual practice 
that seeks to understand what God is saying. The spiritual practice that seeks to understand what God is saying. How is God getting our attention? How do we discern through the different things that go on in our lives? When we read the scriptures, how do we make decisions moving forward? Now, discernment as a spiritual practice is not limited to your decision making. It's not limited to what car should I buy? Should I buy the Ford or the Honda? Should I buy the Subaru or you know, the Toyota? It's not limited or reduced to the budget you set or the trip you take or what time of year should we take a vacation. It's much deeper than that. Discernment is much deeper than that. The writers go on in the preface to say that it's listening to and responding to that place within us where our deepest desires not get fulfilled, where our deepest desires align with God's desires, not the reverse. It's not where God's desires align with yours. Where discernment is where our deepest desires align with God's desires. And then we become, I love this phrase, people who sift through our impulses, sift through our motives, sift through our options. Do we, we all have impulses, right? We all have motives, motives. We've got options. Tim Keller says this about wisdom and discernment. He says, to become wise is to become a disciplined person, given not to impulsiveness, but to self-examination, to circumspection, and to clear thinking. And Henry Nguyen says this, discernment is the ability to understand how God is active in daily life. At the end of the day, as we walk through this series, as we start this new year, as we just kind of put ourselves in this theme of discernment, because I think we all need reset with this. I know I do. Our heart is we do want to grow in the ability to understand what God is doing in our daily lives, where He's getting our attention, where He's prompting us with these gifts that are at our disposal to help us discern. And here's the ultimate thing. This is my, my heart as we move forward, that this would lead us to cooperate with God's vision for our lives, that this would lead us to cooperate with God's vision of flourishing for you, for me, and for the world around us. It's not just about us, it's about the world around us, but our discernment impacts my life, your life, our life, and the neighborhood's life and the world around us. Now, here, this is important. Discernment isn't a product. You can't buy a discernment pill. You can't just take a discernment survey. You can't just, you know, get a certificate in discernment and then say, I'm like, you know, the best discerner, you know? You can't just, it's not a product. Discernment is a curated um, posture. It's a curated posture. It's a developed posture and a developed characteristic that only comes through things like maturity and experiences and humility and knowledge, and sometimes pain and suffering, and wisdom and understanding, and most powerfully as followers of Jesus through God's Spirit that equips us and empowers us to become people of discernment. If there is something we desperately need and the world needs from us is that we would become people of discernment. The people around us would benefit if we become people of discernment. The world around us would benefit if we become people of discernment. And we would grow into a life of flourishing when we become people of discernment, but also to participate in God's will and purposes. But here's a question. Why bother? Like, why bother learning to discern? Why bother becoming a person of discernment? Why now? Why pay attention? 
And I think now, more than ever, we need to grow in discernment. I was listening to the, I was reading this article on a pop star that has a new makeup line. And uh, she self-proclaimed that she is Japanese. And uh, they were questioning her, her proclamation because she has no Japanese roots. She has no Japanese DNA. She has no Japanese blood in her. But they're saying, what do you mean? She's like, well, I just believe and proclaim that I'm, I want to be Japanese. And they're like, but you're not. But now, ironically, she's selling a makeup line that has Asian flavor to it. So there's some motivation behind her. But she's just making this claim. And it fits so well in our culture. Like, I want to be this, I want to be that, and this is what I am, right? And I think why we need this more than ever is the world bombards us with an overflow of information. And social media bombards us with an overflow of comparison. And there's increasing fluidity, even what it means to be human in our day and age, right? So more than ever, we need to become people of discernment. Life's too important, too short, not to develop the posture of discernment. Otherwise, we risk following like the crowd, the tribe, a thought here, a thought there. One popular writer, Henry David Thoreau, said that we can become people who hear the beat of a different drummer and step to the music which we hear. I think that's a great metaphor for discernment, where we can become people who hear the beat of a different drummer and step to the music we hear. Because ultimately, this is what discernment is. Discernment is distinguishing the difference between this or that, between one thing or another, between good or bad, between good and better, between better and best, between my will and God's will, right? Discernment is growing to be able to distinguish the difference between these things. And then that art of distinguishing leads us to decision, leads us to decide wisely. So here's my question as we start the series today, as we start the year, do you want to become a person of discernment? Do you want to, do you desire discernment? Think about that for a second. You might be here today and you're like, no, I just kind of want to go with the flow. Whatever happens, happens. Or do you want to become a person of discernment? Do you desire discernment? There was a famous king in Israel's history, and we read about him in the Old Testament, specifically in, in the book of Kings and other spots, and his name is Solomon. This king was famous, famous uh, a king in the Bible that associated, was associated with discernment. And the reason he was a- associated with discernment is that there's a moment in his life and in his history where he isn't making all the best choices. In fact, if you read 1 Kings chapter 3, it starts with not a great choice, but he's, he has a dream. And uh, he's, he probably falls asleep very concerned with kind of a wrestling tension in his mind. And likely he's very concerned about his role, like he's the king of Israel and his duties and the responsibilities he bears. And have you ever gone to sleep and dreamt something that was so pertinent to your life? Have you ever gone to sleep and you're wrestling with the idea, with the the struggle, with the tension, with the decision, and you're thinking about it all night? And maybe God even might use that time to get your attention. But here's Solomon who, in this dream, God asks him a question. And the question in this dream is, if there's one thing you desire, Solomon, what would it be? If there's one thing you want, what would it be? What would you desire? In verse 9 in chapter 3 of 1 Kings, this is what his response is. Solomon says in this dream, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind, or some versions say a listening mind 
to govern your people. And then he says, to be able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this great people of yours? So here's Solomon in this moment of his life, this moment where he has all these layers of decisions, all these layers of responsibilities, the role that he's in, probably thinking about uh, you know, other kings before him, thinking about God's people, thinking about Israel, thinking about them as a nation. They just weren't a religious group. They were also a nation among nations. Solomon has a lot to handle. It's political, it's uh, financial, it's religious life, it's judicial. And consider just all the dishes that he has to spin. That's a great image. Like, ever see the image of people trying to spin a whole bunch of dishes? So here's Solomon trying to spin all these dishes. And all these decisions he has to make on a regular basis. And all the things that he's overcome with. And he's weighed down with the enormity of his responsibility. With the enormity of of all that he has to think about and consider and discern. And he's desperate for discernment. And as he's having this dream and having this conversation, in a sense, with God, what he's desperate for, the main thing he desires is not wealth, not fame, not power, not influence. He's like, Lord, give me discernment. I need discernment. He realizes that discernment is worth more than anything else that God can give him in that moment. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. Now, you're maybe thinking like, I don't lead a nation. I'm not the president or a king or anything like that, but you're part of a family. Maybe you're oversee people in your workplace. Maybe you're thinking about your budget. Maybe you're thinking about your vocation, your career. But all of us, each, everyone in this room leads a life, right? Even Paul, when he wrote to the Colossian church, he said, lead lives worthy of the calling you've received. Yes, we're led by Jesus, we're led by the Spirit, but Paul commands us to lead lives where, in other words, we have a responsibility. So each of us have a life to lead. We exercise authority over our lives. Even Esther here, who's in high school, she leads, right? You're leading, you're leading your life. She's going to have a conversation with me after wondering. Right? But you, she has authority over part of her life. You and I have authority over part of our life. We lead our lives, and therefore, we, have, we exercise authority over our lives, so you and I need discernment. There's, throughout the Scriptures, the Old and New Testament categorize discernment slightly different, but they really work hand in hand. In the Old Testament, it, you see discernment come up more for this idea of character, who you are, what your role is, what decisions you need to make. We, we see this in the life of Joseph. Genesis chapter 41, more particularly, Joseph is someone uh, who is, is sold by his brothers uh, into slavery, is sent from his family over to Egypt. He, he, he doesn't choose, you know, the life that he ends up in, but he ends up in Egypt, and he's thrown into prison, and there's a few people that are thrown into prison with him. They have dreams, and all of a sudden, Joseph discerns those dreams. He interprets those dreams, and they're amazed because his interpretation actually comes true. And so when the Pharaoh of Egypt gets wind of this and is looking for help, they say, hey, there's this guy in prison. You threw him there, and uh, he, he interpreted these dreams. Maybe, And so Pharaoh has a dream about, like, these seven really large cows and these seven really, really, really thin cows. And he's like, what does this mean? And he pulls Joseph out of prison, and Joseph comes and interprets his dream. But there's a, a point in the story where Pharaoh is looking for a discerning person. That's literally the language in, in Genesis. 
a discerning person, someone who has discernment, a person to exercise authority with discernment. In other words, Pharaoh was looking with someone with the kind of character, with the kind of posture that could look at a situation and bring discernment to it. Now, he caught wind of it because of the dream, but he puts Joseph over certain things in the nation. When you look at the law in Deuteronomy and other places, Deuteronomy 1.13 actually talks about choosing wise, discerning, reputable people as your leaders. Why is discernment in there? There's something about looking for this characteristic in people's life, in their character, for a purpose. In the prophets, often God is calling Israel through the prophets to reflect His character, to discern right from wrong, to be able to look at their lives and say, we've gone off, we've, we've detoured, we need to come back. Often it's between true worship and false worship, or often it's really becoming a people of care and concern for the poor instead of just pursuing wealth and ambition, but for the poor and the marginalized. And so even that is this idea of like, what's your character? As you move to the New Testament, character it kind of comes, it's still there, but you see language of calling that comes into place. So Colossians 1, lead a life worthy of the Lord. Paul says something similar in Ephesians 4, lead a life worthy of the calling you've received. Philippians chapter um, 1 says this, verse 9 and 10, Paul has this prayer, this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine, right? Distinguish, discern what is best. There's this idea of the, the, this calling we have and discernment helps us fulfill that calling. One of the more popular phrases is in Romans chapter 12 where Paul talks about like our whole life being offered into a life of worship and then Paul says that your mind would be transformed, that through the, the transformation of the renewing of your mind, you may be able to discern God's will, God's good and perfect will. Why? Because now this is not a nation among other nations. This is people in the middle of all the nations in the world. And now we're called to, to this life that honors Christ. And now discernment in the New Testament becomes how will we fulfill our calling? How will we live a life worthy of the Lord? How will we live a life reflects the kingdom of God? We're called to that. And so in the Old Testament, it sometimes looks like good versus evil or godly versus worldly. In the New Testament, it looks like God's will versus our will. So our lives, so our pursuits, our ambitions, our goals would be worthy of the Lord and reflect His kingdom and purposes. And we need discernment. And throughout the Scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, character, calling, they both work towards God's purpose for us. Why? Because then we become people of discernment that lead to become a people of witness, that lead to become a people of light, that lead to become a people that walk to a different drumbeat, right, than the world is walking, and leads to a life, like Paul says, that we would discern God's good and perfect will for us, and we'd walk in that calling. So I'm going to ask you the question again. Do you want to become a discerning person? I guess that's really what we're... That's the intro to today. <laughs> Do you want to become a discerning person? Do I want to become a discerning person? Do I want to grow in discernment? Now, there is... a an importance to learning how to discern the voice of the, script, uh, of the Spirit, 
and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit later in the series, there's, there's good reason to like learn from the scriptures and what it means to discern God's voice in our lives, what it means to hear God. But, but this series is going to be a little different because I want to build the foundation for discernment, not just quick fixes, like do these three things and you'll be able to discern. You know, filter this, this, and this, and then you'll be able to discern. Look backwards, present, and forwards, and then you'll be able to discern. It's not like, like kind of like three ideas, five ideas, these fixes, these rules, these tips. But I, here's what I, I, I'm, I've been sensing as, as I was thinking about this series. And, and every year for the last four years, we've done a spiritual practice series. We held off in the fall because we, we wanted to finish Revelation uh, in last year's calendar year. So we, we put a pause on the spiritual practice series and we're doing it now instead. But every year we've been doing it. We did a, the practice of Scripture, the practice of worship, the practice of prayer. Now we're going to do the practice of discernment. But as, as I kept thinking and praying and reflecting and reading Scripture, one of the things we often miss in discernment is the gifts within our reach. Things like time and knowledge and wisdom and capacity and limits and community. We often want to know exactly, okay, if I, if I do this, this, and this, or ask these three questions, which are not bad, we often want that right away. But what if there's so much, so many gifts at our disposal, sources in our lives that providentially have been given to us by God as people, as humans, and as Christ followers, and we never, we never even look at them for when we discern we never think about time or knowledge or wisdom or the people in our lives or the limits that are placed among us. So what we're going to do in this series is explore these gifts within our reach, these God-given gifts, and then end towards how the Holy Spirit works in that and practices that will help us along the way. And here's the beautiful thing about these gifts. There are sources available to you and to me to help us discern. You already have them in your life. You, they're already around us. They're already within our reach. Some, for some of us, they're already within our experience. And they help us become discerning people if we pay attention to these gifts. And they're like, uh, like commutative building blocks. If we can take these gifts and kind of layer them and put them together and together, then we can slowly have these building blocks that will lead us to seek and search and grow and learn and test and apply all towards discernment. And you might be thinking, well, Dave, that sounds like a little bit of work. <laughs> and the reality is it is. It is a little bit of effort, right? Like, no, I can, I, I, I'm pretty certain that none of us will become people of discernment passively. None of us will become people of discernment if we're just like, God, make me a discerning person. Okay, Monday morning, I'm going to discern better. Like, that's, no, we're called, Right? lead lives worthy of the Lord. Make every effort, Paul says in Ephesians, to lead a life that's worthy of the calling. There is effort involved in that. Back to Tim Keller's quote, I love it, because he says, to become wise is to become a disciplined person. Man, we hate that word. We, we talk about it a lot January 1st, but we hate it by December 31st, right? Um, but to become wise is to become a disciplined person given not to impulsiveness, but what? To self-examination, which is a biblical theme. God, examine my heart. Examine my life. Given to circumspection and clear thinking. 
J, James K.A. Smith, which is the author of the book that the young adults are going to be reading through called You Are What You Love, he wrote a, another recent book on time, just the importance of time. And he says this in the early stages of the book. He says, the recognition of the Spirit's drumbeat, we keep coming back to this metaphor, right? The recognition to the Spirit's drumbeat requires careful attention, pausing to become attuned to the world in a new way. And, uh, you know, I mean, even when we started the songs today, we understand drumbeat. Like when Josh started hitting the kick or getting the beat out, all of a sudden we clued in, oh, okay, I can clap on this beat. And so we might have all these other rhythms in mind, and likely you do. But as soon as we hear this beat, we're like, okay, wait, I hear the beat. Now now I'm going to respond to it. Now I'm going to, like, participate in it. Some of us, and we have such a... I think we don't have the gift of clapping at Westside, but we, <laughs> I just kind of learned how to like engage in the beat, right? Should we just kind of start that for fun? Anybody want to lead us in a, like, who wants to start? And we'll see if we can hear the, Josh, can you kind of clap a beat and we'll just kind of follow? I'm putting him on the spot. He's like, no, no, I want the drums, not my hands. Um, but to be able to be attuned to the rhythm of the beat so we can follow, and Smith says, part of what it means to be discerning people is to recognize the Spirit's drumbeat, which requires careful attention, pausing to become tuned or attuned to the world in a new way. And so, why is that important? I think that at the very core of our being, we long to be deep people. We long to be thinking people. We long to be spiritually passionate people, wise people, formed people, aware people, or people that are aware, and people that are deeply attuned to the Spirit's drumbeat, but also attuned to the world around us because we need to discern what the world around us is like. So I see as Lewis and even Bonhoeffer said things like, yeah, read the newspaper and read the Scriptures. Understand what's going on in the world around you and be formed by God's story so you can discern how to interact in the world around you. So we come back as we close this to Joseph's story. I just kind of alluded to it, right? Joseph's story is a cumulative life. Joseph didn't just pop up one day and lead a nation. Joseph didn't just like come out of prison and just kind of like, oh, great, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead the nation through seven years of, of, uh, of uh, prosperity so we can be prepared for seven years of famine. That's what happens, right? He, he's, he's given this role, this task, as he interprets Pharaoh's dream, and the, the interpretation of the dream is, Pharaoh, Egypt's going to go through seven years of incredible up-and-to-the-right growth economically and farming and fruit and this and that, but it's going to be followed by seven years of famine, so we have a choice. What are we going to do here? Joseph's put in charge of that to exercise authority to discern that. It's not like Joseph just showed up there one day and it's like, hey, maybe he can do this. No. Pharaoh recognized Joseph's deep discernment as he was looking for someone to bring clarity to a situation that needed discernment. God definitely gave Joseph a discerning gift. I mean, he interpreted these dreams, and he was smack on. He was right on. So God gave him a gift, especially to interpret dreams, which attracted Pharaoh to Joseph. Oh, my gosh, this guy. This is amazing. Well, maybe he has something. Now, ironically, you know, it was Pharaoh who put Joseph in prison because Pharaoh's wife lied about Joseph. 
But think about Joseph. Joseph wasn't just a dream interpreter. That's not ultimately everything about Joseph. No, Joseph experienced life with 11 brothers. Joseph experienced life as a family growing up. Joseph experienced the pain of being beat up by his brothers, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, then put into prison. Joseph experienced what it was like to learn how to trust people, and he learned not to trust Pharaoh's wife because Pharaoh's wife lied so she could she was upset at him because she didn't, she, he didn't kind of engage her temptation. She, he gets in prison because of that. The test of his patience when he meets his brothers years later, his education that, leaned on, that he leaned on to consider the best options for the, nat- for the nation and entering famine, the story of faith, the people of faith, the God they served and worshiped, that, that he grew to learn and love and live within God's voice and gifts in his life. Joseph wasn't just a dream interpreter. Joseph was all these things. All these pieces of his life were cumulative, together, a combination of providential gifts from God that in the moment he was recognized as a discerning person. And I think that's what we're after but it's not one thing or another. And it is part of the work of the Holy Spirit, but it's not just uh, you're here today, tomorrow you're a discerner. It's all these pieces that God will use in our lives if we receive some of these gifts. And so th- that's my call, my invitation here. I'm going to ask the team to come back as we, as we come to a close. But now here's the thing. We're going to talk about gifts over the next few weeks, these gifts that are at our disposal. But I want to invite you, just, just as a reference point, to be ready to receive these gifts. To be ready to receive these gifts. And to be ready to the, receive these gifts is kind of two things that we already know are part of a Christian practice, which we've talked about in previous years and we talk about often. And it's immersed prayer and immersed in Scripture. Immersed in prayer and immersed in Scripture. We have at our disposal, at our disposal, and only for 25% of church history has the church had the Scriptures at its fingertips. Only for 25%, but the message of the Scriptures was always there. We have at our, at our fingertips, we have within our community, we have in the fact that it's the core uh, content, the core word from God that we read and reflect on and embrace and, 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 just, and, 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 and meditate on. And our immersion in Scripture will allow us and make us ready for the other gifts that are along the way. Because when we get to know God's Word, we can discern the other gifts better. We can discern through them better because we're understanding God's Word to us, not just the words of the world around us. So on our website, we have some, some biblical Bible plans. And I know, beginning of the year, often people are like, I want to read the Bible more. And um, some of us have attempted and only got through to February when you hit Leviticus and then you kind of stop reading um, some of us are maybe wise enough if we're not, if, if our character and discipline isn't there yet to read through all the Scripture in one year to say, I'm going to read through parts of the Scripture slowly. And um, maybe my first time around, I'll skip Leviticus and then I'll come back to the next time. <laughs> That's okay because 
do what's necessary to get you in the scriptures. You'll eventually come back to the parts that you struggle with. But on our website, there's a blog post with just a variety of different Bible plans. And, and, and I think it's important that we immerse ourselves in the scriptures. Some of them are one-year plans. Some of them are two-year plans. Some of them are only the gospel, only the New Testament. Uh, one of them is connected to Tim Mackey, the Bible Project, which gives some great video resources along the way as you're reading scriptures. There's some people in our church who have a great rhythm of reading scripture, and I'd invite you to find out and then ask them, like, do you, do you read the scriptures in a certain way? What's helpful for you? Because I think when we can immerse ourselves in the scriptures, we're immersing ourselves automatically with God's word, God's vision, God's heartbeat. But the second piece of that is prayer. And um, last season in, in, in the fall, we really started to try and create a time and place for prayer. It's fr it's Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. Trying to make space on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. No one was there today. That's okay. What I'm, why I don't say that to make anybody feel guilty. Why I say that is because it's like I'm praying that slowly these times and places will become like the desire of our heart. Prayer is so essential because now we're, as we've reflected on God's word, we're making space for God's voice to get our attention. Maybe there's a word or a phrase or a theme that he wants to get our attention about. So daily prayer, but community prayer is so important to be praying together. This season we have various environments. The two in-person ones are Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. for early birds or those who can make it before work. And then here at 9 a.m. On, on, um, on Sunday mornings. And uh, January 27th, Friday evening, we're going to do a prayer and worship night here. We want to just engage uh, together. And throughout the year, we want to have some, a few more in-person prayer times because we just want to make space for God to grow this posture of prayer in us. And why I'm saying this, you might say, well, Dave, weren't we talking about discernment? I'm like, yeah, we were. But Scripture and prayer and immersing ourselves in these two, it means that God's Word will get into our, our heads and into our hearts and our sensitivity to God's presence will grow and you know what that's going to do? That's going to shape you and shape me to be able to process the various gifts at our disposal to discern wisely what's good and bad what's good and better what's better and best what's God's will what's your will what's the difference how can my will align up to his? When we immerse ourselves in God's word, when we are attentive to God's presence in prayer, all of a sudden, we slowly start to become more attuned, more attuned to God's vision for our life and how we have to wrestle through discernment in the world around us. But also these wonderful gifts at our disposal, we become more capable and ready to receive them, to process them, to use them. Amen? We're going to pray, and I'm going to give you an opportunity um, just to bring yourself before the Lord. The team's just going to sing a verse and chorus of one of the songs we sang today just as a way to help us come in gratitude before the Lord. Let's just take a moment here, and I'm going to invite our prayer team to just be ready right now instantly as some of you in this, maybe as we worship or as we close in prayer, you might want to just step over there and be prayed for. Maybe there's something you're discerning particularly. Maybe you just want to be prayed for in a general way. Maybe there's something you need prayer for today specifically that our team can 
just be present with you in this time. But just let's pause and, and answer this question. Do I desire discernment? And do I want to become a discerning person? Do I desire discernment? And do I want to become a discerning person so I can distinguish the difference, the differences in the options before me that the world offers, that God offers? character and calling. Maybe in your own way, I invite you to personally communicate to, to God in prayer. If you desire discernment and desire to become a person of discernment, would you just tell that to the Lord and invite Him right now as we begin this journey over the next several weeks to grow in our discernment. Just let him know that. Invite him to be at work in you. our attention with this vision with this essential essential posture of discernment that is so necessary for us in our day to day life but also God in what it means to discern how to live out the values of your kingdom, the vision of your kingdom as Jesus is Lord of our lives. God, capture our attention with this vision of becoming a discerning person. Lord, open our eyes to see all the gifts at our disposal. Some that come through um, positive experiences, some that come through negative, some that are neutral, but that your Holy Spirit can use in the development of our own discernment. So God, we just surrender ourselves to you today. We long to enter this journey of growth and nurture and development towards this. We desperately, desperately need you to lead us and guide us and empower us to be more capable in this because we long to lead lives worthy of the Lord. And that encompasses the best way to express our humanity but also the calling we have as Christ followers. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. 
We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.